Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. We have Aliza Licht, who is the founder of a great company called Leave Your Mark, but she's also the author of the brand new book, New This Week. So very, very excited uh, to to have this uh, incredible book out there. It's called on brand. And uh, I actually got an advanced reading copy that I've got right here if you're watching this on video, but it's super, super, super great. So I've known Elisa for a while and um, she is just such an incredible person. I loved even doing a little bit more research on her as well as I was getting ready for this podcast. Actually, we have had her on a long time ago, but um, but was really excited to have her on again for 
this new book. So Leave Your Mark, by the way, the company that she founded is a multimedia brand and consultancy. Uh, but Aliza is an award-winning marketer. She is a an author of a previous book called Leave Your Mark. She's also a podcaster. Uh, she has just built her expertise for over two decades in marketing and communications and digital strategy, primarily in the fashion industry. But I think uh, she's shown that she can cross over into other industries as well. She's a social media pioneer and one of the first fashion influencers. Uh, I'm going to get her to chat a little bit more about this, but the social media phenomenon DKNY PR Girl, which generated over 230 million media impressions. That is so crazy. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to chat more about that. But Again, her book, On Brand, is her second book, and it's out this week, and I'm just super excited to discuss a lot more of what I was able to read in that. So welcome, Aliza. How are you? Kara, thank you so much. First of all, I love seeing you, and I love everything you're doing, and you're such a force, and I'm honored to be here. So thank oh. you for that lovely intro. So nice. Uh, I have to say, Aliza and I, we look like sisters. So many we people do. have said it. Today, I we don't do. have my hair down long, but uh, but definitely, we uh, we could definitely walk down the street and you would think that we were sisters. So very, very honored. So, okay. So let's start at the beginning, not at the super, super beginning, but I just want to ask you this question. So looking back at small Aliza, did you always think that you would have this much fun and influence? Oh, my God. What a question. Um, I would say that I grew up in a household where we were very much encouraged to have a voice. So whether my opinion was right or wrong at the time, I would say that it was always welcome. And, um, you know, I, I never, of course, thought about influence or anything related to that. Certainly, we never thought about personal brands back in the day. It was more, you know, have a good name, have a good reputation. But no, probably not. Um, I really, I really didn't think that far ahead, to be honest. <laughs> That's great. I read that you wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Is this I right? I did, and oh. I kind of regret. Like now that I'm getting older, it would be really handy to be a plastic surgeon. I know, right? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? So yes. super awesome. So okay, so you spent years in media and uh, specifically in fashion. Um, you landed at Donna Karen International, uh, where you spent. Almost, but not quite, two decades. I'd love to hear about your experience there and and like what did you learn? Obviously, you went in when you were just getting started, uh, but share a little bit more about that experience. Well, I had just come from the magazine side of the industry, and this is in the late '90s when print magazines were so incredibly important, and. I felt like I wasn't getting ahead on that side of the business. So I was like, oh, I speak to these PR people all day long. I kind of understand what they do. So I ended up getting a job at DKNY in the late 90s. And I think being on the inside of that world and certainly in luxury fashion, because we had Donna Care in New York, which was the collection luxury brand, and then DKNY, I really learned what it meant to kind of engineer media right? Because you don't always have a great collection. You don't always have something the media wants to write about, but the relationships you build with the journalists is how you really carry your brand through. Because being able to pick up the phone and say, hey, just do me a favor, just cover this one thing. 
that or killing a story, right? Being like, please, like, I'll give you something else. Just don't write about this. Those kind of skills were really eye-opening as to what really goes on behind the scenes in press. So interesting. And working, I guess, for a company that the, you know, the founder's name was on the door. Yeah. uh, Had, was that just, I mean, that's something that I don't even know if you sort of thought about that when you went in there, but I mean, such a powerful connection to have at a very young age. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including 
the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell, or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Um, I think it actually makes a huge difference to have not only a founder, but a female founder at the home of a company. She was the matriarch. I mean, Mm -hmm. we stayed. It wasn't just me who stayed there 17 years. Everyone stayed because we stayed for her. Mm -hmm. And I think that the loyalty and the dedication um, and also like the creativity, right? Because, you know, you're a founder, like your vision is what motivates everybody else and inspires everybody else because not every employee has that level of creativity. And I think Donna allowing everyone around her to really aspire is what really made the brand so strong. And the brand is still around today. It's obviously been through, you know, multiple owners at this point, but She is the reason that brand is still around because the founding promise and the DNA of that brand, you know, is is really what gave it the foundation. And you can't just pull that out of brand. Yeah, it's always there. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's uh, but it's definitely, you know, a great brand. I always tell people you have to have, you know, a quality product and a quality brand. But I think when it's a founder led company, it's just different. Right, it There's is just an energy that is just different, and and obviously, you were definitely a part of that whole story as well. So the infamous handle DKNY PR girls, how did that come about? Well, that was later in the career. That was, I think, eleven years later in two thousand nine. We were sitting around a marketing meeting, thinking about this, you know, newish platform called Twitter that maybe we wanted to participate in. And, you know, I was concerned. I mean, when you speak about a founder-led brand, you know, Donna Karen was a human person, but the company shared the same name. And I was scared that if our handle on Twitter was at Donna Karen, people would assume she was tweeting. And being that I was a publicist and obviously understanding crisis communications and communication gone wrong, 
I was just like, that, that's going to be a nightmare. Who's going to write that copy? Who's We're going to have to get it approved. It's going to be a whole thing. So Gossip Girl was was the thing back then, the original. And I was like, well, why don't you just have it be anonymous? We can have it be like a character, like DKNY PR Girl. We could put it through the lens of PR. And our general counsel, you know, we pitched the idea to her. And she was like, that sounds great. Only one person can do this. Aliza, since you're SVP of communications, you're the one who's going to have the Twitter handle. And I, I didn't even know what it meant. I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, whatever. And then slowly but surely, I, you know, I started to teach myself how to tweet. And the whole idea was being a fly on the wall in the fashion industry when nobody was giving you those behind the scenes. No one knew what happened in award season. No one knew what happened behind the scenes of fashion shows. And I gave people that anonymously for two years. Wow. That's, I know. That's Who keeps a secret for two years? Nobody. So were people asking you, who is this? Was it yes. sort of like Gossip and Girl? I, it was Gossip Girl. And one day, teen, an editor from Teen Vogue called me in the office and they're like, hi, we would love to hear my Pure to come speak at our conference. And I was like, oh, well, she's anonymous. So, you know, that's not going to be possible. <laughs> And I hung up the phone and I went into Patty's office, my mentor, fellow redhead. And I said, Patty, you know, all these social media conferences are popping up. It was like that time. Do you remember when it was a thing? Like it was new. And I was like, it's so like it kind of sucks. Like we're not getting credit for anything. And then we sort of made a decision. We're like, okay, you know what? Let's reveal the person behind, behind the Twitter handle. And that is what led to Leave Your Mark because an editor from... At the time, Grand Central was following the character and called me up one day and said, I think you should write a book. That is just so, so wild. So it was wild. It was crazy. So in so many ways, you were an early influencer before that term was even, uh, you know, kind of coined. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't for a couple of years before you were actually known, um, as you just mentioned, but quickly became an expert on personal branding. Obviously, that was not a term back then no. either when you were first starting. Uh, if you were to look back on that experience, what would you say you you learned either about the consumer or... Uh, about branding? I mean, what was kind of the big thing that you, what what was the t big takeaway? Don't sell. Don't sell anything. Tell a great story. And that is something that I felt intuitively. Uh, DKY was a very big company. We had a lot of licensees. Once the Twitter handle, you know, became Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, when, you know, became very, very big, over 1.5 million um, followers organically at the time, which was a lot back then, everyone wanted a piece of it from the perspective of like, oh, can you announce our new fragrances on sale? Can you announce our, announce our handbags are on sale? Like all of these sort of like performance marketing call to actions that felt off-brand for the human hmm. PR girl. So I was very, I was very fortunate to have the support of management, which you know is, is not a given to be able to be empowered enough to be like, that is not what the community wants to hear. I am bringing them into the brand through storytelling and making them loyalists. And eventually they'll figure out that we have handbags and maybe they're on sale, but I never wanted to sell. Hmm. So interesting. So you weren't just talking about Donna Karen either. You were like talking about other things, you know, in the industry. I mean, it was it was not just focused on your brand. Well, it was it was 
focused on the role of PR, right? right. So it was my job as a PR girl, um, obviously, you know, living in the world of Donna Karen, but telling people what the job entailed. So then mm-hmm. that involved, you know, me having lunch with the person who was tweeting for Bergdorf's and, you know, sp- you know, meeting with Vogue or whatever the case may be. But it was definitely about a fly on the wall experience, which was something new and different. And and brands hadn't figured it out yet. You know, yeah. brands were very, especially in luxury, like they don't show, you know, behind the curtain yeah. at all. So interesting. So you wrote a great book called On Brand, which is out Thank this you. week. Can you share a bit more about why did you decide to write it? Well, the truth story is, this might, some of your listeners might be like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. And some of them might be like, okay, is she okay? I was on the phone with a psychic. I, this is the true story. I love that. And, and she was like, are you going to have a second book? And I was like, no. One and done. Like, I was so sure one and done. She's like, no, I think you are. And I'm like, okay, if I was going to write a book, what would it be on? She's like, personal branding. Now, I do speak a lot about personal branding and professional development. And obviously, I'm a global mentor, and I and that is the Leave Your Mark brand. So it's not crazy that she would say that. And I was like, oh, that sounds like me, but no. And then three weeks later, my editor from Leave Your Mark texted totally out of the blue. And she was like, I think you should meet a literary agent. And I'm like, why do I need an agent? You you literally went direct to me for Leave Your Mark and I'm not writing a book. Yeah. And she's like, no, you're going to write a second book. And I'm like, I am not. And she's like, no, you are. I'm like, okay, what is it on? She's like, personal branding. So then I'm like, oh God, it's the universe. Hello, universe. And then I was like, you know what? It makes sense. And obviously I put it out. I put out so much of that energy yeah. That I do believe it came back around. Yeah, definitely. So was this during the pandemic? Was this kind of your pandemic project? I didn't know it was later, but um, it was, you know, I started, it was due this past June. And so I, I started, I got the contract out in March. Um, oh, and it was, you know, it was a hustle, but it, you know, I'm glad I did it. It was way harder than my first book, though, I will say. Yeah. Lots harder. Well, that's that's a whole other uh, podcast, probably. But what would you say are the non-negotiables in building a personal brand? Well, you know, it's so funny because as a founder, Kara, you you did this and you did it intuitively. So it's it's starting with your belief system, right? It's starting mm-hmm. with understanding why you're doing what you're doing, why you're choosing to align with something. And understanding what those guardrails are. And I think a lot of people don't really self-reflect to the extent that a brand would, right? When you're building a brand, you're thinking about your core values, your mission, the problem you're solving. I mean, we know your story from the Leader Work podcast about the problem you were tra- trying to solve when you created him. It's like, so there's a, there's a real authenticity mm-hmm. to that founding story, but people don't usually apply those same rules. So what I did in On Brand is really take my, you know, two decades of marketing, communications, and digital later on and say, okay, this is what we did in fashion. And this is how we created an image that made you want to buy stuff. Now let's apply it to people. And really marrying self-reflection with perception. Because at the end of the day, you know, perception's reality. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. It's how others perceive you. Yeah, definitely. I, I loved... 
there was a point in the book where you talk about um, kind of in person, over email, and on social media communications, how you're actually presenting. And I think that, you know, people call it like followers and stuff, but it's, and, and sometimes I think that followers has gotten sort of a bad rap, but people are following, I think, especially if you're known as an authentic leader, um, because you're inspiring them in yeah. some way. And, and I think, you know, the more that they can believe that you're connected and you're thinking like they would want to be inspired, you're not going to hit it every single day. But I totally, totally agree with what you were saying on that. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So I think that, you know, what I really wanted to make sure in this book is that if you want to be an influencer, great. This book will help you become an influencer. But it's also about how you present in real life. And it is just as much for the person who is vying for that promotion as it is the entrepreneur who needs to impress investors, right? Or the college student who's coming out and really wants to land their first job. Because your personal brand is is not a choice anymore. Having what you already have, everyone has some version of one. It mm -hmm. starts with what makes you you, right? But in this world, this hybrid slash virtual world that we now work and live in, every single person needs to understand how they're presenting, no matter the medium. So it could be email, like you said, on social media, when you show up in a meeting on Zoom and your camera's off, all of those things contribute to how your personal brand is perceived. You know, the energy you give off. If you're someone who makes a meeting better or worse, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that contribute to it. And it's in the spoken and unspoken. Like if I asked you what font is on brand for you, I'm sure you'd have a very clear answer of like what your favorite font is, right? Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. And that's visual identity, right? So everyone has that. They just don't necessarily think about it the way brands do. So that's what I'm trying to achieve for people. I love it. So let's say you've done it all wrong, not you, but I mean, let's <laughs> say that you're an individual and you're thinking, gosh, I have not, um, I don't have a specific font or five, I have like five fonts, right? Like that it, it, if you just feel like I've never really paid attention to any of this, where do you start? Like, where is the beginning for somebody who really wants to get better at this? So it starts, like I said, first with the belief system of like, what is the message you're trying to put out there? What do you want to be known for? And then it starts in the book. I call it mental gymnastics because there's little workshops, but it does start with actually pulling the people around you, people you mm -hmm. work with, your friends and family, asking them to describe you in a couple of words. And there's a whole series of exercises in the book that take you through. I mean, I really didn't want this to feel like a textbook and I didn't want it to feel intimidating. So it really is like a friend telling you how to embark on this. And it's like very small digestible bites. So as you're going through the book, as you know, it's like I introduced these, these little snippets slowly. And then I put in some personal anecdotes or I have some experts who weigh in on the subject, but it doesn't, it starts with really self-reflecting and then figuring out where you want to go. So like thinking about all your social media bios, has anyone looked at their LinkedIn bio in probably two years? Like thinking about how you're showing up online and in person and if that's how you intend to or not. Yeah, no, I think that's so important. Do you think 
women are more conscious of this than men? I think that women are constantly striving to be better. And certainly the people that you and I surround ourselves with are are people who are very goal-oriented, who have a lot of creativity and a lot of energy that they put out into the world. I think women probably feel like they need to prove themselves more. Obviously, we know women, you know, definitely suffer more from imposter syndrome than men. You know, in the book, when I said that I was, you know, founding my consultancy originally, I felt super weird and insecure about calling myself a CEO. Like CEO of what? Like I didn't feel like I could own that title and I didn't own it. I called myself a founder and president at the time, but certainly a man would have no problem slapping CEO on a business card, right? It just didn't feel like I, I, I felt like I hadn't earned it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a man would think that way. You know, it's interesting. I look at like LinkedIn. I've looked at this for a lot of uh, male friends of mine. And, um, it, and it's fascinating to me because they really just haven't paid attention to sort of how they're showing up. And a lot of times I think it's, you know, super boring. I've had men who have talked to me about boards, um, for example, and I'm like, okay, well, let's start at LinkedIn and go through exactly how you're showing up. And, right. um, and anyway, that's what I, I think that it's, it's something like, what would you say to people are the top, like, what are the three things that they should do at the beginning to just kind of, you know, change who they are or pay attention more? Where would you go? LinkedIn, maybe, especially from a business standpoint. Yeah. So LinkedIn, I think it's about choosing platforms that you feel comfortable on mm-hmm. and that you feel like you can be consistent with, especially if you're looking to build some sort of following. And I agree with you. I hate the word followers. I really do. But at the end of the day, I think especially on a platform like on LinkedIn, like LinkedIn we're all looking to learn. And I think, you know, we're constant learners and I don't think you can ever know enough. So LinkedIn is to me non-negotiable. Like LinkedIn is 100% where you need to make sure that you have a consistent presence. And then if you're someone who is more visual and you feel like you can do Instagram well, and I take people through content strategy and brand voice and how you actually build a social media following in the book, but you don't have to. You can also work on executive presence and how you're showing up in meetings and why you're the always the person who gets asked to take the notes. You know, at any level, mm-hmm. you can start to uncover how you're perceived based on what you're asked to do or not to do. What is kind of the major misconception for people, like uh, in terms of showing up, that they just don't really recognize how they are showing up? Or um, I, I, I'm so curious how you would respond to that. I think people are very toned out to how they're showing up. And you can see it online, especially when, you know, we all have people in our in our timelines that are just either going hard to the extreme of constantly talking about what they're doing, how they're achieving all their wins to the point that you're like, I'm going to mute this person. This is all too much for me. And then there's people who are waiting for someone to notice how great they are. Mm-hmm. And that and those two extremes are both not good. So trying to bring people to the center where understanding how to strategically share your wins, which I go through the book, and in an elegant and strategic way. So so my rule of thumb is every time I talk about myself, 
I'm going to make a conscious effort to amplify five other people on social and support five other people for every one time I'm promoting myself. I, I don't know where I came up with five, but it felt right. And that's what yeah. I do. <laughs> I love it. No, that's great. There's quite a few people who are changing careers. I think the pandemic sort of lit a match for many people uh, trying to figure out what they want to do. I mean, I guess it's been called the great resignation sometimes, but I think it really boils down to people are thinking and trying to figure out what do I want to do. When you talk about shaping your narrative, that was the first thing that I thought of. So people want to go in to do something totally different. How should they be talking about themselves? Oh, I just left my job and now I've got to go figure out. Probably not. I mean, what what would you suggest? Like, how do people present themselves when they're starting to think about that they want to go and do something new? Well, in the book, I really lean on the idea of a Venn diagram because I think it applies to when you're mapping a social strategy and it also applies to when you're trying to transition from run, one role to another. It's like finding that middle point of where your skill set and experience overlaps with what you're trying to do. And then understanding how to tell that story. I think a lot of people, to your point, don't really plan for the question oh, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. So there's so many missed opportunities. You could be at a cocktail party and someone asks you that and you don't have a succinct way of arming people with the information so they can help you. People have zero attention spans. So understanding that elevator pitch and tweaking it based on what you want to do next is really something so simple, but yet everyone ends up being a deer in headlights when they're asked a question. And one of the things that I did very strategically after I left my role at Donna Karen, I decided I didn't want to do PR anymore. So mm -hmm. I needed to arm my network with the idea that like, no, don't come to me with PR jobs. I don't want to do that. Here's what I want to do. I want to do brand marketing and digital. Mm -hmm. So understanding how to share that in a succinct way, I think is, is the answer. But also when people are starting new jobs, the first question they're going to say is like, oh, where'd you come from? Why'd you leave your last job? Why did you come here? It's like those are easy answers that can really trip you up if you don't plan for them. And it's, it, it's you don't have to tell them, you know, deep, dark secrets, but it's shaping the story so it makes sense for other people. And shaping your narrative also means handing people the headline you want them to pass along on your behalf. Otherwise, people just make up their own stories. Totally. Yeah, no, I think that's so that's so true. I also just feel like, there's this learning aspect too that I think sometimes people max out on. Um, they know what they're doing every single day really, really well. And so I'm really encouraged by the fact that people are trying to step outside of their comfort zones. Um, that's what I'm seeing. So I think that there's some kind of narrative around that that makes people feel like, you know, look, I'm overqualified to do a lot of things, but I really want to jump into something where, you know, I'm I can definitely use my skills. I can, you know, do a PR plan in my sleep, but I want to go and do other things. I mean, that is the the key narrative, I think, there that people um, need to be kind of focusing on, not yours specifically, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I think- Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that that's an exciting thing and definitely something that, uh, or 
I should say, a topic that I think a lot of people would want on their team for sure. Um, So building a personal brand is very much uh, part of being an entrepreneur. Um, You are an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur as well. Consumers buy from people, not from companies. Um, Many established business owners also, I think, should be building their brand. I've been asked to speak at companies numerous times about building a personal brand. And I feel like it's so challenging for people uh, you know, to kind of think, especially if they're in a large established um, company, should they be doing that? Shouldn't they be doing that? All of these things. But what's your best advice for up and coming and established business owners um, who are thinking, you know, I've been so busy building my brand. Um, I've been so busy working at this company. What do you think they should really be thinking about? So I love this question. And actually, Candace Nelson was on Leave Your Mark last week. And one of the things she said was that like a founder having a personal brand is non-negotiable. Like mm-hmm. it has helped her so tremendously in building Sprinkles and now her new next project. And I think that it is 100% the most important thing any founder can do. And a founder's personal brand can only help their actual brand if they do it correctly. And I think that a lot of times, especially, you know, if your company becomes really big and there's a lot of, you know, investors involved, that can sometimes go by the wayside and people don't, they forget how the whole thing started, right? But at the end of the day, the whole thing started and got to be where it is today very much in part because of the founder's vision and the founder making a connection with the community of people that purchase that brand. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important. One of the things in Lead Your Work that I say is like, don't name your company your name. Mm -hmm. Like make your name stand on its own, have your company be a different name, or if they're going to be the same, like don't sell it, right? At the end, you know, Donna ended up selling her name to LEMH at one point. And you lose control, obviously, of where your brand ends up. So I think it's very important. I think it's very symbiotic to the actual company. And start people who are starting out can really lean on this book to take those baby steps towards building their personal brands. I will say this. You got to have your finger on it. A lot of people think they can outsource this kind of work. If a founder, if something is going out in the world and has your name on it, you have to have last coach it. It doesn't matter if someone's putting it together or not. At the end of the day, you can't blame the intern for a post that goes wrong. Like you have to have have your name on it in a way where you feel good about what's going out into the world. And also, by the way, like people want to connect with you. They want to learn from you. They want to be inspired. And if you are a founder like you are, Kara, like all these people are looking at what you've built and they want to follow in your footsteps. So it is really important that you have that authenticity in your in your digital strategy. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's there's another thing that I I'll just add on to what you're saying. I I feel like there are people who think that it's um, you know, you're an egomaniac if you like build this big personal brand. I also feel that there's this responsibility especially to your employees and to your company because it's it's a north star for mm-hmm. these people, right? It's you talked about it from Donna Karen. It's you know when the founders are in the building and and 
you know, there's there's this feeling there that, you know, you know what you're working towards. And it's it's very um, you know, it's that connection, I think. So the more that you can actually highlight this, especially when you're not able to spend as much time with your team, when they're actually able to see who you are and what you enjoy and things like that is really, really important. So it's not just about you building your own individual. It's helpful to a lot of people who you're leading and who you're following. Oh, and to your point, it also makes them really proud to work at that company. Totally. Especially, you know, on LinkedIn where, you know, thought leadership is so important. Like, when you know, LinkedIn is the place where you say where you work. So if your founder has a really big presence on LinkedIn and is putting out her thought leadership and really inspiring younger entrepreneurs, you know, with the lessons that she's learned, you're proud to work at that company. Yeah. That is a really big thing. And I would never say it's about being an egomaniac. I would say one of the things that I was really thoughtful about in On Brand, because I am not looking to sell this book and make, you know, thousands of egomaniacs. That is not my goal. It's really thinking about it in a way that is not just about you, but is service oriented. Like if you're Mm -hmm. out there sharing your learnings, that's not ego. That's Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. Definitely. No, this is this is such a good discussion. So, Aliza, so, so great. Thank you, and thank uh, you, Tara. Buy this book uh, on brand. Is it on Audible yet, or it's not on Audible yet? I I got an email though this week that I need to read it. But yeah, I have my matching copy with you. Woohoo! This okay. is the galley. Kara has the galley. It's actually a metallic cover when it come when it comes out. But right I now, that's it. all. It's that's really- all we have. It's so good and uh, definitely get a copy of it. So thank you again, Aliza. Oh my God. Thank you, Kara, for your support. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023. And goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.